Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Verse 10, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 10. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you for uh, <clears throat> scripture that is holy and fallible. I thank you for <clears throat> the spirit that can bring things to life. I thank you that this Bible is more than just letters on a page and pages within a cover. I thank you that it is, uh, it's, it's life. It's, it's life-giving. I thank you that it's, it's, it's purposeful. And I ask that we'd be able to receive from it tonight, that we give ear to hear what, what your word is saying to the church tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 9, thanks, Spirit. In verse 9 of Colossians 1, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So, if somewhere along the line in the next week or two or something like that, things start coming to your mind, you know, should I do this or how would I handle this? Maybe I should do this differently. If, if, if change starts to occur on the inside of you, it's because the word of God is being prayed for you. Be very sensitive, very alert to that, that you would know his will. Listen, you might be in a bad situation and all of a sudden you find yourself going, thank you, Jesus. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. You may find yourself that normally you live a Christian life until this certain food type is set in front of you or a certain interaction happens in your life or a certain opportunity comes and you find yourself normally in life, it's, it's your, your habit to kind of drift away and to do something that you know that maybe you shouldn't be doing or it's not the best thing to be doing in your life. And the next thing you know, you find yourself walking right through it, right past you like, that is so weird why do that. He that abides in me does my will, right? Or you find out do, you're doing something that normally is not your liking to do, not my will, but your will be done. We want to be full of the knowledge of the will of God. It's not just a geographical, territorial assignment. It's not just a, a, an employment. It's not just some type of office to walk in. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And so that's what I'm praying for you. And I hope that you'll be praying in agreement with that. Could you imagine if all of us knew the will of God for our life and we're full of the knowledge of God, not only to be full of the knowledge of God and in all wisdom that we would see it from God's perspective, we would have the, the knowledge of God, we'd have the understanding of God and spiritual understanding that spiritually, even though your natural man is saying, this doesn't make any sense, your spirit man is going, it's cool. It's all right. We can stay right here. I feel good about this. And they say, why are you doing this? I just have this knowing on the inside of me, spiritual understanding. I just have this knowing that is going inside of them. That you may walk worthy of the Lord and that you may be fully pleasing to him. That's what we talked about. Now, it pleases the Father uh, to work in you to do his goodwill. So in other words, he's saying, I'm, I, I'm, wel I'm, I'm welcome to help you. You, you ask, I will help you. I will help you keep my will. I'll help you be fully pleasing to me, okay? So you'll come and accompany me with this. But this is where I want to get to tonight. Being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Can you imagine being full of the knowledge of his will, 
but then increasing. I had a saying uh, that I said quite often years ago, there's only one place better than being in the center of God's will. How could that possibly be? And, I, and, and I'm talking about this side of heaven, okay? You just say, man, heaven would have to be that place. No, the only one place better than being in the center of God's will is being in the center of God's will where you're gifted. Because you will go through seasons in your life when you can be in the center of God's will, but you don't feel gifted. You don't have the function. You're, you're living through something. You might be suffering. You might be being challenged. You might be being tested or trialed in the midst of it, but you're not fluently just ministering life there. You're going through something. Anybody ever been through something? You can go through the will of God and be fully pleasing to him. You can go through the trials and be fully pleasing to him. You can go through the child, listen to me, and be joyful. Well, what is joy? It's a fruit. So the trials and tribulations or the benefits and pleasures that we go through, are we producing fruit? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, temperance, meekness, and faith. Is that being produced in our life? And not only does it say fully, uh, fully uh, pleasing and growing and increasing in fruit, but increasing in his knowledge. Do you realize when you get to go through these things, although you already fully know his knowledge and fully pleasing, there's things that you can grow in knowing him? Do you know there's, there's more beyond? There's more than, there's more of God? That's something we need to come to the understanding and to have some sense of a desire. I'm the type of person to realize if there's something on the other side of the wall and I can't see it, I want to find a way to get to it to see it. I'm the type of person, if there's something that is valuable, something that is advantageous, that if it's, if it's available, but I don't know where it's at or how to get there, I want to find out where it's at, how to get there. If there's more knowledge of God, I want to have more knowledge of God. The apostle, I was reading this scripture this morning. The apostle Paul literally said, he said, he said, I'm not going to boast or brag. He said, but, but I will boast in this. I'm going to come into, I'm absolute, no doubt whatsoever. I'm going to come into more dreams and more visions and more revelation. Here's a guy who seemingly most likely was him, had an experience in the third heaven with God came back with things that, that could not even be expressed and could, were inexpressible to talk about. And he said, there's more. There's still more. David said, he said, he's beyond searching. There's so much more to God. I hope that we're not just here to get more from God. We're here to get more of God. We have a tendency to want more of God. We want to get our rankings. We want to get our badges. We want to get our notches. But we need to have a desire to get more of God, not just more from God. Is there still more from God? Yes. But sometimes that can get so cluttered in your life that you fail to realize the of God and you miss that point of getting a deeper relationship with God. I'm here to tell you, a lot of things that God gets to you will not be enough as compared to what you can get from God when you're going through the next season of your life. Amen. So having that knowledge, growing in the knowledge, I'm letting you know that you may know God, but there's more to know. You may have life, but you can have an abundant life. I want you to have the increase 
of God. I want you to have the fullness of God. I want you to have the benefits of it. So he says, being fruitful in every good work. So let's go back and let's go to the teaching of Jesus, okay? Uh, Paul is a, is a descendant of Jesus. I mean, Paul had a personal encounter with Jesus. Paul personally got born again from Jesus. Jesus appeared to Paul and, and made himself known to him, and Paul gets converted, right? The conversion was a process in his life, but nevertheless, he met Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. So let's go back and look at the words of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus about being fruitful. I don't know about you, but Gretchen and I, uh, we stopped at a few markets uh, this past week, intentionally stopped at a few markets. Matter of fact, we were driving around in one situation. We left out Wednesday morning from Fayetteville. It was beautiful. Listen, if you ever don't have anything to do and you want the most beautiful thing to do, take a back road trip to the state of Tennessee and those rolling, hill, rolling hills and just the beauty uh, that is out there. Tennessee is a beautiful state, beautiful state. And one thing else that makes Tennessee so, so beautiful is the volunteer the volunteerism. It's part of their nature of who they are. So anyway, we're driving in. Uh, I just had this, I prayed about it and I was like, I want to get a gift for somebody. Matter of fact, I want to get them a tree. I want to get them a tree so they can plant it in their yard. And, and then, you know, they'll have this. And this is what a tree means, what a gift of a tree means. And so we got into a city. We got through Nashville, got into a city and we, and this storm rolls in. It's like, it looks like it looks like 8 o'clock at night and it's 12 o'clock at noon, okay? Storm is rolling in. I mean, trees are blowing and twisting and stuff, and it's raining, and we're kind of laughing because, like, can you imagine pulling up to a nursery? Yeah, we like to go tree shopping. You know, it's just like makes no sense whatsoever unless you're a Christian who wants to be fully in the will of God, you know? And so we're, we're driving around. All five nurseries that came up online had closed and shut down, but one, but one. But that one was all wholesale. It was nothing but wholesale. So we're out. And I just said, well, I guess we're just going to have to roll up. We're a little bit late anyway. And so we turn. We go down the country road, turn, and bingo, there it is. This little family farm that had ice cream and donuts. Forget trees, friends. Where there is ice cream and donuts, and nothing else matters anymore. That's, I mean, life shuts down. Are you with me? Okay. And, and so we pull in, and they have trees for sale. They have trees for sale at like, at like 33% of the value of what a full tree would cost somewhere else. Nice maple tree. I mean, just wasn't a maple? Yeah, it was a maple tree. A nice, I mean, they're already eight feet tall, eight feet tall. And it's a family farm. They do that. And then there's flowers. And then we go inside and there's, there's vegetables, there's fruits, there's melons, there's, there's a homemade, uh, uh, there's honey, there's, there's pasteurized milk, there's, there's organic, I mean, everything's in there. And there's donuts, and there's ice cream. And, and, and I, I just honored them. I thought, you know, no. It was there waiting for us the whole time. It was a great experience uh, to have that and to get that tree and to be able to take that to where we want to go. Now, why I told you, I have no idea. Other than, <laughs> forget it. John, John 15, I am the true vine. Listen to this. And my father is the vine dresser. Okay? Jesus is the true vine. You know why he's the true vine? I'm going to point some things out in the scripture. Okay? I'm going to point some things out. This will help. He's the true vine because he said God's the one true God. He was produced out of God. He was outsourced out of God. 
What's the point here, Pastor? He was grafted into, he was connected to God. Here's my point. You can search your eternity hereafter all you want, but if you don't connect into your origin, you won't have the right God. You need to know where you came from. You need to know your origin. You need to understand. You say, well, I, I've, I've gotten saved. I've asked Jesus. Jesus' whole ministry is to get you connected to the Father, that you know the Father. That, that's his whole ministry. That's why he came, was to reveal the one true God to us, the, the one true God to us. So Jesus said, I'm the true vine. He said, my father is the vine dresser. He says, my father tends to the needs of me. My father provides my rain. My father provides my sunshine. My father provides uh, my weeding. My father, he does all these things to me. He's talking out of his relationship with God. I want to exhort you. I want to point something out. You and I need a relationship with God. Therefore, we need a relationship with Jesus to get us to God. The only way we get to the Father is through the Son. Jesus is the doorway to the abundance, to the blessed, to the best life ever. So I'll leave you with that. I'm like, a few more points, but I'll leave you with that. I want you to be thinking that way. I want you to be praying that way. I want you to be seeking that way. What does it mean to have a relationship with the Father? Because without the Father, you can't be a child. Without the Father, you don't really understand sonship or daughterhood in God. You have to have that. Jesus said he would not leave you an orphan. You must know the Father. Not a substitute, not some other, but the one true God. Jesus is the truth, but he's also the way, the truth, and with that you find life. I find many people who have a relationship with Jesus, but they struggle with life. I find many people have a relationship with Jesus, but they struggle still with identity. You could go on down the line that people have these struggles and these battles, and we've learned to just live with it and to think that's where we need to live. When Jesus said, no, 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 you can have, you can have an abundant life. You can have a relationship with the Father like I have with the Father. Jesus went through more difficulties than you and I could ever, 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 ever comprehend. One, simply one, because he loved deeper than we love. Even the ones that I love, he loves them deeper than me. And when they're doing something that's unloving or something tragic or traumatic happens, it, he feels it deeper than I feel. I know that's hard for us to conceive and comprehend and perceive in our minds there, but the reality is the reality. And he lived through it all. Did you ever notice he, he had good composure? And you say, yeah, but that one time. Oh, he, he didn't sin when he got angry. Isn't it amazing that we question his anger, but then we look at the truth, we go, oh, I can't use that. People will use that. Well, he got angry, and he, he, he went in, and he drove all this stuff out. You're, you're accompanying him to or implying that perhaps he sinned because you justify 
that it's all right to get angry and be that way. But the reality is he had great composure. He had intense composure. He was angry and sinned not. That's my Jesus. That's who I want to become. That's God's son. I want to become that kind of son in every situation. Whatever situation you're going through, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Hold your finger. Uh, well, you don't, maybe you won't have to hold your finger. I want you to go to verse 18 with me. Okay? I'm going to read a text of scripture. Pointing something out. Here's, here's, uh, again, here's my effort tonight. Okay, This is my endeavor tonight. Is that you would spend time with this somewhere. That you would read this tomorrow. I'm, I'm not trying to interrupt your systematic reading or your chronological reading or whatever it is. Keep doing that. I'm not in any way trying to intrude upon that. Find some time. This is what I feel like he's asked me to ask you. Jesus said, if the world hates you, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So in other words, he's saying, get ready. It's going to hate you. He said, therefore, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you, are not of, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I'm just going to read the passage. Remember the word that I said to you. Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So Matthew 24 wasn't the only time Jesus spoke about these things. I mean, we're, we're going to live in persecuted times. We're living in persecuted times. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake because they do not know him who sent me. Did you hear that? They're doing this because they don't know him. They hate me. So what, they're saying, what he's saying is they know me but they hate me because they don't know him. Is there the possibility that Jesus is teaching that the love of many could grow cold? Is there the possibility that, listen to me, saints, listen to me, friends, listen to me, believers, listen to me, church attenders. Is there the possibility that you could know Jesus and not know the Father and eventually hate him instead of going to church for him? So what's the answer? Get to know him. That's what Jesus came for. He's like, yes, there is nothing could excite Jesus more than you saying, do I have any sin in my life? Yes, thank you. Now I can deal with that. And saying, can I know the Father? Yes, I would love for you to meet the Father. Would love for you. Have you ever been around somebody who knows somebody and they, they enjoy introducing you to that somebody? I love introducing my children. I love introducing my wife. I love it when people know them. I love it when they get to know them. Jesus wants you to know the Father. But these things they will do to you for my name's sake. And if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have, listen to this, uh, I jumped. Because they do not know him who sent me. Okay, let me tie something else into what I said, okay? Jesus was tapped into his origin, not just into his destiny. Way too many people are seeking their destiny and have no concept of their origin. You were created by God. If you don't believe me, look at the culture today. Yeah. 
Something has gone awry. Something is troubled if people don't know they're boys when they're born and girls when they're born. Come on. Somebody, I mean, there's the reality. That is a grievous situation. Now, this isn't just, listen, this is not just, it's just an occurrence. This is not just, oh, where'd this come from? I'm not sure how this got here. Before you inspect fruit, you need to inspect the root. Okay? Gretchen and I uh, had the, the, the privilege, uh, it, was, it was a grievous privilege to attend the movie Sound of Freedom. I don't know if anybody else has seen it yet now. Uh, I will say this to you from the pulpit uh, that uh, this is what every Christian needs to be somewhat embraced for. A dear friend of ours showed up at the movie theater. There are 14 people in there. He and his wife, they're adults also, they came into the movie theater and there's 14 people in the theater and they sat right next to us, right next to us. So this isn't a date night movie, is it? It's not a date night movie, okay? And in that movie, there's four or four, five times that they use uh, curse words in there out of their language. Every Christian, most Christians are walking and saying, I wish they wouldn't have put that in there. You need to be thankful for what they didn't put in there for the subject matter of what the movie's about. It's about sex trafficking. It's about human slavery. Well, they could have done it without that. You need to realize what they did it without. Friends, if you go out and you minister in that area, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear it point blank, okay? I'm not justifying or anything, but the reality is in that movie, there's a sense of understanding of what is really taking place in this world today, what is really going on in this world. In that movie, I left out of there with the sense of what am I going to do? What can I do? That's the point of the movie. You don't have to attend it. You don't have to go there whatsoever. Uh, but it is a stirring, but it was a grievous thing. It was a heavy thing. It was a burdensome thing. It put a grief in my heart and on my soul. Uh, he says, let's go to verse 22. If I had not come spoken to them, they would have no sin. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. What Jesus is saying, if I would not have come to the world, nobody would know there was sin. There'd be nothing to, to compare it to. He said, but now they have no excuse for their sin. So in this movie last night, in this movie, you start looking at the fruit. How can these people become so deranged? Well, it opens up the reality they most likely were sexually abused, abused when they were children. Back when that great generation didn't talk about things. Well, it's getting somber in here. This is the world we live in. This is the life we live in. Outside of these doors, this is not a hiding place. This is a place of equipping, a place of preparation. It's a place to it. Listen, I'm asking, I, I declare it tonight that the burden of the Lord comes upon this house. Not just for that, but for sinners. For sinners, for the laws. I'm talking about where I can't get up and preach because people are weeping. I mean, I love the shouting in our worship. I love it and keep shouting. But let's shout till we weep. Let's shout until we're broken. Amen? They have no excuse for their sin. Uh, there's reasons, but there's no excuse. You and I, because of Jesus, have no excuse for our sin. So stop making excuses. Did you hear me? 
I'm, I'm echoing the words of the Christ himself. Because of his life, his sinless life, because of his obedient life, uh, because of his composed life, because of his submissive life, because of his eternal life, because of his resurrection life. Listen to me. He's saying there is no excuse for our sins. But we want to excuse and excuse and blame and criticize over and over and over and over again our wrong. That's a heavy statement. He goes on to say, he who hates me hates my father. Could you imagine if we get John 15 intact, in we abide in him, he abides in us. When they hate us, it's just an evident sign that they hate the father. Because he's in us and we're in him. You can't get more complete than that. And if they hate us, they hate the father. So what that should do is cause us to not take it as an offense and not even a badge of honor, but of a need that they need to know the father. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did. Remember, he did works nobody else did, right? If I had not done the works among them which no one else did. Is that the possibility that there's works that need to be done? I think it is. Jesus said, pray for the Lord for laborers. Laboring requires work for the harvest, for their few. We need to become people who do the works that no one else is doing. And not gripe about it when we're doing it and nobody else is doing it. That's our calling. That's who we are. We can, we can gripe and complain about what other people aren't doing. That is nullifying what you are doing. Because you're not doing it with the right heart. And so I need to do what I do with the right heart attitude. And do even what nobody else is doing. Let me, let me put a phrase in there. I'm, I'm off the scripture now. But think of it this way. Doing what nobody else is willing to do. They would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. So in other words, they've seen and both hated me and my father. They have seen the father because they've seen me. What a ministry, guys. Could we, imagine, could we imagine if our ministry shifted, the mindset of our ministry, that when they see me, they see the Father. When they see me, it's not they see the well. It's not they see how well I do. But could you imagine having the same mindset of Jesus? When they see me, they see the Father. Yeah, but I, Jesus, Jesus has been through everything you're going through and more. Been through. Amen. So he goes on and he says, uh, he said, but this happened, listen to this, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. They hated me without a cause. There's a title of a movie years ago, before my time, just so if you were to look it up, Rebel Without a Cause. Friends, when you don't love God, you rebel God. But if you love God, you repel sin. If you don't love God, you rebel God. But if you love God, you repel sin. Amen? What, what a benefit. What, what a great privilege that we get to have. All right, I'm going to wrap you up. I have four minutes. Let me go back to uh, John 15. 
chapter 1. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So is he saying you can be in Jesus and not bear fruit? Mm -hmm. That's not always a bad thing. We immediately think that's sin. We immediately think that's a way to cut people off and to cut things off. No, no, no. You can be in Christ and you've done what you've done and it's not producing sin anymore. And you don't just keep doing it because it's good. Sometimes you got to check out. Sometimes you got to move on. Old things, not just old bad things, old things be gone. All things become new. So there might be something that you're doing in ministry and all of a sudden it's not producing fruit anymore, but you keep doing it and keep doing it. It's like beating a dead horse. You got to just pluck that thing out and remove it. It's done. It's been done. It's finished. Are you getting that? If not, we become religious, strong-willed, and we become rebellion to God. He said, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's not a bad thing. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may, be, may bear more fruit. Okay? So sometimes he trims it back. And I didn't go into a deep study about this, but I'm trying to learn a few things for some of my own trees at home. But there's angles, there's placements, there's, there's a time and a season for those things to be cut back, to be removed, and, and to, to get them out of the way so they could bear more fruit. So here's what I'm saying to you. This is the bottom line because it's 758. Here's the bottom line. Remember, we started with being fruitful in every good work. If there's good work that isn't bearing fruit, first prune it. If it doesn't bear more fruit, maybe get it out of there. If something's just dead and for years it hasn't been bearing fruit, it's gone through every season of the year and you're doing something that's not bearing fruit, get rid of it, move it out of the way. So how do I bear fruit? How do I bear more fruit? Abide in him. Because if you're doing what you're doing, you're not doing it in him, there's gonna be no fruit. So abiding in him and him in you. And this is what I'll, I'll finish with. Let's stand to our feet. Verse three, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So here's somebody who's wanted to be fruitful, somebody who's grafted in. I don't have time to take you to Romans 11 that we're grafted into Christ. You know, through Christ, we're grafted into God. And, and he's going on and he says, look, he says, you're already clean. Oh, maybe I'm not bearing fruit because I'm not clean. He says, you're clean from the word I'm speaking to you. Listen to me, friends. The word cleanses you. I said, the word cleanses you. The word of God cleanses you. Verse four, he says this, abide in me. This is Jesus's, this, this is not, uh, this is not our, our theology. This is not our doctrine. This is not some way of Christianity. He didn't say, ask me into your heart, then live like the Dickens, hoping you can be in me one day. He said, abide in me and I in you. Listen, if you were to get in Christ, that's what this is what baptism is. If you were to get in Christ, you couldn't breathe but Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. Oh, just ask a man, ask a man, ask a man. And then fight like the Dickens to try to be a Christian. That's why they're not in your chairs. That's why they're not here. We've got to learn to get people in Christ, baptized in Christ. And then you can die with him. Then you can be resurrected with him. But if you get in Christ, think of that. There's no sin in Christ. There's no disease in Christ. There's no whatever you want to say. 
There, there's not that kind of hatred in Christ. You get in Christ, you'll breathe Christ. You'll drink Christ. You'll be submerged and immersed and immersion in there that you'll be submerged and Christ will get in you. Does that make sense? Take that home. Take that home and spend some time with it. How do I get in Christ? How do I abide in him? How do I lodge in him? How do I dwell in him? How do I walk in the spirit? How do I live in the spirit? How do I pray in the spirit? How do I stay in the will of God? He that does the will of God abides forever. I'm not angry. I'm passionate. This is our hour. This is our moment. This is the turning point for the church. This is the shift for your life, for your family. Making priority what's priority, dwelling in Christ. Not just be satisfied you've got Jesus in you. It has its place. But Jesus said, if you abide in me and I'll abide in you and I abide in you, then you'll be fruitful. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to gather under your word. I thank you for the, the pointed out areas and I thank you for the appointments that are being made now. Make it up in your mind. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to spend more time. In it. I'm going to go spend time with the word of God because I want to abide in you. Jesus said, if my, he said, if you abide in my word, my word abides in you. He said, if you continue my word, you'll be my disciple indeed. Lord, we want to be people who abide in you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May you feel his love. May you know the Father and encounter him. Build that relationship with him. I bless you tonight with peace, peace, in Jesus' name. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.